you not entertained? Are you not entertained? Why does that guy yell so much? I mean, really? Whatever. I don't know why that guy yells so much, but today we have an incredible episode. Well, what is it? Today I have had the pleasure of interviewing the man himself, Bill DeWeese. Say what? Very excited. This was an incredible interview and we're very thankful for his time. So excited. Can I get a round of applause for Bill DeWeese? Absolutely. So in this episode, uh, you know, ask Bill all kinds of questions about the voiceover business. And I was able to take some questions from you all. And we were able to get those in there. So Bill answers all kinds of questions from starting out in voiceover to the future voiceover to how to get work, uh, your equipment, uh, what he uses to travel with. I mean, some really great stuff in this, all right? So without further ado, let's do it. Is VO's journey. It's Bill DeWeese time, baby! With your host, the incomparable Anthony Pika. All right, so here we go. Let's dive in. I am so excited to be with. None other than the man himself, Bill DeWeese. Thank you so much for joining us on a VO's journey. Thank you, Bill. We really, really appreciate it. Thank you for being here. Well, thank you, Anthony. I'm, it's a pleasure to be here. I appreciate it. Awesome. Yes. And, and I know uh, myself and many of my listeners have been following you and uh, love just all the information that you have put out over the years. And it has been a blessing to all of us. Um, but there are a lot of newcomers uh, that keep funneling into our wonderful world of VR. So for the people who may not know you as well, can you maybe just tell us briefly a little bit about your background, how you got started in voiceover? Yeah, uh, I'll try to make as brief as I can. I've had an inter- interesting journey. I started off in radio um, in 1980 and worked in radio until 2005. Um, the final years of my radio career were spent actually in a university environment where I, um, they had a, here in the Chicago area, there was the on the big FM station. So I managed that. And, but I also taught as a professor at the university. So, uh, that was an interesting perspective and I was able to get my MBA there. Um, and then after that, uh, I moved into, I worked for a business consulting firm, uh, in Chicago, which had nothing to do with broadcasting, but I love business. I love marketing. And so I did that for a while, and then I was uh, became vice president for marketing for a um, a corporate learning services company. Essentially, we go into Fortune 500 companies and build high performance training environments for companies like Kellogg and Caterpillar and um, just all you know all kinds of you know large companies like that. And then um, I my, the the company I was working for went out of business, uh, and so I had to figure out a way to make a living. And so I always had this thought in the back of my mind, voiceover, but it was, I thought, oh my gosh, it's so competitive. The guys who do it, they have such incredible voices. There's no way. But yeah, it's funny when you're like, when, you know, when you run out of, you know, you're just kind of standing out there and, and you don't have anything to go back to. It's like, what do I do? Right. And so I thought, well, you know, let's, on a wing and a prayer, this is my Hail Mary pass. And here I am 13 years later, it's the best thing that ever happened to me. That's so awesome. I, and I know I have a lot of people too uh, that listen to this that are in a similar boat now. Uh, there's been some layoffs recently in some industries and yeah. they're kind of you know, looking uh, at voices. It's going around. It is going around, that's for sure. 
So um, with that being said, uh, so much new things are happening in our industry. And one of the things I wanted to ask you was with your experience and everything, for someone just starting out who is new, where would you recommend they start this whole voice journey process? You know, uh, just just start from, you know, they're, they're starting out, they might have a little bit of equipment, but they're looking to start getting work. What would be your suggestions? Well, the cool thing about now, as opposed to 10, 20 years ago, is that there's so many more ways to to enter. I remember even when I started 13 years ago, it was kind of like you jumped into the deep end and you, you'd sink or swim. But it's not that way anymore. And uh, I always recommend if you're just getting start, started, don't jump into the deep end of the pool and get beat up. Because what happens is a mind game. You start to think, oh my gosh, why did I do this? I suck. I should have, I should have known better. I could, you know, and because those are the thoughts, they, they play with all of our, our minds. Uh, but today there are some great, um, what I'll call smaller platforms, freelance platforms, I think are the best way to get started. If you're just getting started, it's not where the big money's at, but that's okay. It's just like when you start any career, you don't start off in the corner penthouse suite, you know, right. to see your salary, you've got to work yourself into that stuff. And so uh, I've got uh, my students, I, I highly recommend they start off on Fiverr. Uh, and it's interesting. You go online and look in the forums. I mean, you hear all kinds of crap. Uh, most of it's really not based in reality. But I mean, I've got students who make six figures a year just from Fiverr, just from Fiverr. And I think it's the hard way to go about making six figures a year. But but my point is, it's a legit platform. My daughter, um, who is also my full-time assistant, she got on the platform this year. She's making like three to 4,000 bucks a month. Um, and part-time, and- part-time. For me, you know, like last month, I made ninety five hundred dollars on Fiverr. Yeah, it's, well, there you exactly see, and that's what people need to know and understand. Yeah, so it, I agree with you. It's a completely viable platform. So, other than Fiverr, though, because just like anything else, I have noticed too that it, you know the word is out and more people are jumping onto there. What other places um, besides? Well, actually, that moves me into my next question, which is about pay to play. Yeah. So I know there is, uh, you know, the the main pay to play sites, um, but this is a this is definitely a big question nowadays. I know with a lot of voiceover artists too, because you know it's four or five hundred dollars to start, and sure. uh, there's a lot of people on there. So, what is your advice or thoughts about the pay to play atmosphere currently? Yeah, let, let me if I, if I may kind of back up a little bit and kind of bring us up to that because a lot of people and I deal with this all the time, and when I have people who come into my, my training program, they'll say, well, I'm on Voices and Voice 1, 2, 3, and my response to that is, like, that's the worst thing you could possibly do up front. That's not a first move, because that is a, that's almost a guarantee for, for a failure. Not because you're not good enough, not that you can't do it, it's just you have a couple of things. Number one, you need awesome audio. To, right. to, I mean, you need high-quality audio to compete on those websites. You need great, in my opinion, pro demos, to compete, you need to understand the platform, which is a whole other ballgame, and then how to uh, to audition effectively. And that doesn't happen when you first start off. You don't have any of those things. You know, you, those are things you have to learn and understand. So that's why you know, take it easy and start record audiobooks. You know, get on Fiverr. And yeah, you're right. Fiverr is getting it's getting more competitive now. So you can't assume you know, you've got to go with great audio. You know, from the get go. But new platforms keep popping up. Uh, but to your question about about pay-to-play platforms, I think that's I mean that's where it's at right now, and I think it will be for a long time to come. The model, the business model, the marketing model continues to evolve and change. And um, you, what I do is I look to where the voice seekers are going. 
you know, uh, where are they going? Well, they're moving away from agents and casting directors. I mean, there are some, there will always be a role, but they're playing a very small role now compared to what they used to. Right. Um, you know, when I, when I do direct marketing and I reach out to uh, production houses, oftentimes they'll say, well, I'm on Voices or Voice123. That's where I get my talent. And I, to which I respond, fantastic. I'm on both those websites. Make sure to check out my demo. Uh, always be marketing, right? Right, right. Um, so, uh, you know, they've got each way. You look at Voices, Voice123, there's Voice Realm, there's Bulldogo, there's others. And they all have their own peculiarities and their own way of doing things. But the thing you have to keep in mind is that more and more major clients, as well as smaller clients, are using the platform. So you've got to be where people are at. And that needs to be where you're, you're heading for toward, but be prepared to do it. I mean, I, I love those websites. Um, I used to get really frustrated by them and I didn't understand them for years and I avoided them uh, for a while, but now they're my biggest source of, of work, new clients. Awesome. No, thank you for that. I appreciate it. I'd, I'm going to ask you uh, one more question and then I actually do want to dive into some of these questions I got from yeah, in my group. Um, so kind of staying on this same uh, topic that we're talking about, what would be probably the most important thing for um, newcomers or people, you know, maybe a year or two into the business that they should be focusing on to, you know, ramp up their, their work, you know, I mean, should it be acting? Should it be marketing? Should it be uh, all of, you know, finding business partners? What, what all, what, what do you think that should be? Well, I would like to make this really simple, but there are really a couple of things. Uh, and you can't really do one without doing the other. And um, one of the, uh, the drums that I beat very loud these days is audio quality. Because what a lot of people don't realize is they're out of the mix before they eat. They have no idea. You know, they've been auditioning, they've been marketing. It's like, no, I get no response. No, it's because your audio is terrible. But most people don't realize that. They don't understand that. They haven't had that evaluated. Right. Um, so you have to have, you know, you have to have st- strong audio. You have to have, you know, strong uh, auditioning skills and you need good demos because your demo is your, you know, I, I love the fishing analogy. You know, we're fishing for clients. And if you want fish, you got to have, first of all, you've got to have great bait and that's your demo. And you've got to be, you've got to be fishing the right fishing holes. And that's where the clients are at, you know. Right. And so, uh, again, I, I feel like I'm overcomplicating, uh, but, but yet these are all really important things. Sure. And so if you, don't, if you haven't developed the auditioning skills, if you don't have good demo material, if you're not marketing in the right places with the right, you know, with the right demos, and you have great audio quality, then you're setting yourself up for failure. So, you know, no, thank you for that. And I actually, on the audio quality, I wanted to ask you, um, you know, I've, I work with a lot of people who uh, a lot of it's based on, to the gear they have, not just the microphone, but necessarily how they're hearing it. So what do you recommend someone who, because I notice a lot of people do all their mixing and everything with maybe a cheap pair of headphones yeah. and, or even their computers. So people, someone comes and says, you know, hey, I'm trying to figure out how to, how do I judge my sound? What do you recommend? I mean, I, I usually have like studio monitors, but is that yeah. something you recommend? Well, first of all, I, I like to tell people gear's not important. Believe it or not, gear is not that important. I mean, I built a six-figure career using $300 worth of equipment, a $60 Marshall MXL microphone with a cheap Windows computer sitting in my bedroom closet. Wow. I mean, I was doing national TV commercials. Uh, your space is far more important than the microphone. I mean, don't get me wrong. When you can afford it and you're making a bunch of money, knock yourself out. 
Uh, and that, like I see, you use the uh, the uh, EV uh, twenty or thirty. I'm not sure which model it is. Right. This is this is this. I brought. I actually have the Sennheiser in my booth. Yeah, this but even this, it gets very broadcast, Mike. I mean, I worked with that microphone for like over you know, 30, 40 years, and, and you know, and it's especially it's built to if you have a loud space to begin with. And that's what I was getting at. You have to have a quiet, well-treated space, and that uh, the EV twenty and thirty really does a great job of mitigating some of that outside noise. But when you get yeah, the Sennheiser. Of 416 or a Neumann, um, then, you know, you can be really sensitive because they pick up everything, right. you know, but your space, how quiet it is and how well treated it is, is absolutely critical. I tell people after that, you know, if, if your space is really good, I mean, I've worked with iPhone earbuds. I, I mean, I've got expensive, expensive Yamaha monitors, but they sit outside of my booth in the studio. I use that when, I, when I'm producing demos. I don't use that for voiceover. I've got, you know, and these are decent headphones I've got on right now. They're ultrasounds, but I mean, you know, I've worked with cheap headphones. I don't think headphones are that important because in most, especially unless you're now, if you're doing full production, that's a different ball game. I'm assuming you're just talking voiceover, dry voiceover. But if you're getting into full blown commercial production, that's why I keep the expensive stuff out here too, because I do need to, it's, you know, hearing every nuance becomes very critical. Um, but I think people overly obsess about gear and it's really not about that. Awesome. No, hey, thank you so much. That's, that's a really important thing. I know a lot of people, the space and trying to get that treated is, yeah. is so important. So important. Well, yeah. thank you so much for that. So I'm going to uh, dive into, I think we, we still got some time. Yeah. Uh, I've got about, I don't know, about six or seven questions or so. And we'll see if we can get them all in. Love it. Um, the first one comes from Dan Pegg. And he said that he is curious to see what systems you use to manage and keep track of your clients. Well, Dan, uh, yeah, it's a good question. I get asked that a lot. You know, in, in my former life, and I've done, as I mentioned, you know, I've been in sales and marketing for a long time. You know, I've used uh, CRM stuff, uh, customer relationship management software, uh, like Salesforce and Act, and there's a bunch of them out there. For voiceover, I, I keep things as simple dead simple as I possibly can. I don't overly complicate things. I literally manage all my client stuff through, I use two things, Gmail for actually tracking projects and clients. That's all I use. I don't have a CRM. Gmail is brilliant at tracking everything, all the communication, very easy. And then I use FreshBooks, which is a cloud-based accounting software just for invoicing and billing. And that's it. I mean, it's extremely simple. Thank you so much. I had to say, but I just really quick, I think one of the things that I love so much about you is that every time I learn more about you, there's no, there's like nothing um, uh, super complicated or, or, you know, like a, a, some magic genie under a bottle, you know what I mean? It's, 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 it's hard work. That that's not smart enough to do it complicated. I don't know. Maybe that's it. But but I I do believe in keeping things if as simple as you can make it. Why complicate it? It frees your mind and your time up to do things that really do matter. Awesome. Thank you. Okay. So uh, next question comes from Will Stoff, and uh, I know we've kind of talked about it, but he wanted to know um, how do you get noticed on pay to play, and some of them have some extra costs or extra things that you can pay or or is paying for those uh, help you get better results? 
Hey, well, well, you know, it's uh, first of all, you know, there's you got to get found uh, before you get hired, and so there's a couple things going on here. Uh, one is getting found, and then others being hurt. What do they hear when they find you? Being found is a function of two things: it's your it's your bot, your profile, and making sure that you've used all the right keywords and such. I mean, that's a whole thing in and of itself. If you look at the top rated. When I say top rated, the people who get listened to the most, to me, that's the most important metric. It's who gets, not who gets favorited the most, who gets listened to the most. Because if you get enough listens, you get enough attention, you'll get plenty of work. Right. Um, and so it's, uh, the way to do that, again, is biography, or I'm sorry, profile, or your bio, uh, which is one. Number two are your demos. And the way your demos are tagged, uh, you know, a lot of people don't realize, um, you know, like for instance, you could take your, you take your commercial demo, split it up into the six or eight different component parts. Upload those individually, tag those differently. I mean, the, the more, they're like little, I call them my landmines. I throw as many landmines along the road as I can. So when people are searching, I want them to trip over me because auditioning, cattle call, I quit, I quit cattle call auditions about three years ago. That's the hardest way to get work on pay to play. I want people to call me and say, hey, I heard your demo. Uh, do you mind reading this? And so that's the way you do it, demos in your profile. And then of course, when they hear you, your, your demos have to kill. Great. Now, do you, though, do you recommend, though, someone just starting out, though, needs to do those cattle calls, though? I mean, they're going to yeah, need... Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but make sure that that's not the only way you're doing it because, you know, you got to make sure you're getting attention. Uh, otherwise, again, it's, it's, it's a brutal way to make a living. <laughs> absolutely. Okay, great. Well, thank you. All right. So the next question comes from Jay Lee. And Jay wants to know, What's the biggest change in the voiceover industry that you are anticipating in the coming years? Oh, Jay, wow. Uh, am I a futurist? Hmm. You know, it's interesting because I really am interested in, in this kind of thing. Uh, a lot of people have asked, well, do you think there'll even be a need for human voices? You know, will voice synthesis take the place? And I don't think that's going to be an issue. I mean, I think on the lower end of things, people with no budget, yeah, Sure. But uh, the thing that makes voiceover voiceover is the human element, the emotion, the ability to connect on an emotional level, which a machine, I don't, I don't think, will ever be able to do. Uh, aside from that, you know, I really think what we're seeing now with pay-to-play, I think that trend will continue on into the future. Now, it may evolve and look different, but what's going to happen is this centralization of power that used to exist, meaning agents, casting directors, that, that is slowly dying. It's shriveling. That power is being dispersed. It's easier for you and I to go directly to, to a client. And so I think we'll continue to see this proliferation of platforms that allow us to do that. And I think also direct marketing will never go out of style. Um, I wish I said, you know, in terms of will there be anything really cool and fancy revolving around? I don't know, probably. But, you know, keep your eyes open. But I think it's going, whatever it is, it's going to look like you and I will be direct, directly communicating with clients. The middleman's going to be taken out of the equation. Awesome. Great. Thank you. All right. So the next question comes from, and by the way, just let me know, uh, you know, we can yeah. signal me or something when you got to go. Uh, Chris Ogle, uh, he wants to know, what is your current road rig for vacations or traveling? Like what gear are you taking <laughs> on the road with you? You know, I, I take the, I have uh, redundancies of everything. I have another Neumann TLM 103. I have a, I use Apollo twin uh, interface. I've got, I've got two of those. Um, and so I take the Apollo, so it's got, it's got my audio chain built into that, you know, the, the compression, the EQ, I use and all of that. Uh, but uh, then I just set up, like, for instance, we spent time in Hilton Head um, this past 
uh, winter. And I took couch cushions and I built basically a couch cushion fort and put it in the spare bedroom. And that's, that's where I worked. Nice. Um, and so really, it's, just, it's a mirror of what I have now, except that I can't take my whisper room with me, unfortunately. So I'm always like everybody else trying to find ways to build pillow forts and couch cushion forts and that kind of thing. That's awesome. Cool. All right. So the next question comes from Maxwell Tobias. And uh, he asks, uh, what do you do about pronouncing hard words? Uh, I guess, <laughs> which actually I do sometimes. It's funny. I was just working on a documentary. I'm doing some English dubbing over for a, a travel documentary. And there's something, sometimes you just can't, there's no great way to, to find a word. Uh, but here's where I start. I start by simply Googling pronounce followed by the word, pronounce the word. And you'll be, usually it'll pop up, right. you know, one way or the other and, or somebody on YouTube's talking about it. But now I used to have all these websites bookmarked that I would go to like Forvo, and I mean, they're going on and on. But now I just type, I just Google pronounce the word and it, it amazingly pops up. I love technology. You're, lot, you're right. That's what I do. A lot of times it's right on Google. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. So we have one more. Uh, and this is from Ron Gardner. Um, and his question was, what is uh, the common thing or a few common things that you have seen that hold back voice talent from improving, whether it be talent or business? Yeah, uh, I think a couple of things. Uh, one is fear, um, and the other is not getting proper help. Um, we're always dealing with the voice in our mind, all of us, me, you, all of us. It's, you know, there's always something saying, eh, I don't know about this. You know, should you really be stepping out there? Well, what, if, what, what if this happens, or what if that happens? And even marketing, well, what if they yell at you and say, don't ever call me again? You know, just weird stuff like that. And so fear you know, keeps us from uh, doing the things that may give us the greatest you know, uh, to propel us into success. And so I think that's a big one. The other is just getting good help, you know, because there's nothing like, you know, it's crazy. I've shared this story before, but I remember, you know, I've golfed since I was 13. I love golf, but I'm not a good golfer. Uh, but I remember it was a number of years back. I was at a golf outing and there was a golf pro there that you could see for a few minutes before you went out and teed off just, and he would give you a few, few pointers. And I went and he had me swing a few times and he had me, he just, he tweaked the way I stood, the way I gripped the club and gave me a few points, pointers. Oh my gosh, I was hitting the ball straighter and 20 yards longer. I knocked like 12 strokes off my game that day. Wow. Just for 20 minutes with a pro. It's, and and I, I was working with a guy, and this is just another quick example. There's a gentleman, um, actually he's pretty high profile out in Los Angeles. He's done a lot of high profile, like animation movies and stuff like that. But he comes to me for marketing coaching, not performance coaching. And so we spent 30 minutes together. Um, and uh, he because he wanted to be able to increase it. He was doing okay, but he wanted to do better. He called me a year later, actually scheduled another session with me. And he said, I just really wanted to say thank you. He said, I doubled my income last year. So this is a guy who, you know, by all indications was doing great. And he was doing great. But with 30 minutes of just some help, he was able to double his income wow. over the year. So, and we all have to do that. We all have to go to people and learn from people who are doing things that we can't do to see the strides. Otherwise, because if we're left with what, what only our experience or what we know, it's a long, slow slog. Right. So get help. <laughs> no, that's awesome. Thank you so much. And, and I have one last thing that I ask everybody on the show. And that is, as you, as, as you were thinking, let's say that tomorrow you had to start completely from scratch. Now yeah. you had all of your gear, though. I mean, you know, you're set up. Okay. Oh, <laughs> start from scratch. The Bill Deweese name is is erased. It's not out there at the moment. 
what would be the one thing uh, that you would do or the main thing you would focus on to get business just starting from scratch? Knowing what you know, but you retire at this point, knowing what I had to go through to build it. I'm kidding. Uh, man, because uh, I'm, I'm, getting, I'm getting tired or as the years go by, it's like, I need a vacation. Uh, but what would I do? You know, the very first, I would, I would set up camp on Fiverr. That's what I would do. Absolutely. That's, that's where I would go. I would get some, you know, really good demo material and I would get up, I would set up on Fiverr. And then I would also set up on ACX and start recording audiobooks. And just make what money I could generate cash flow. It's all about generating cash flow. And then I would begin to to find more ways to market myself at a higher level for bigger jobs. Awesome. Bill, thank you so much for your time. It is an honor to have spoken with you. And uh, we're so thrilled from all of the VO Journeys audience. Thank you, sir. Oh, thank you. Great questions. And uh, thanks for allowing me the chance to share, you know, some of, some of the nitty gritty of the day-to-day of how this all works. And uh, again, hey, keep up the great podcast. Thank you so much. And real quick before you go, uh, where can people uh, get more information about oh, you? Yeah. Uh, go to BillDeweeseLive.com. BillDeweese.com is just my voiceover website. And if you want to hear my demos, that's fine. But you go to BillDeweeseLive.com. That's more about how I help voiceover talent. Awesome. Thank you so much, Bill. You have a wonderful day. Thank you, friend. Take care. Bye-bye. Well, I just want to, again, say thank you to Bill DeWeese for that incredible interview. I had a blast. It is always amazing to talk to Bill and to learn from his knowledge. So thank you all, everybody. Please, please share this. Uh, Leave a comment or review on iTunes or Spotify or, uh, you know, Pocket Cast, wherever you listen to this. Please leave a review and and share it with your friends and and family so everybody can hear um, this awesome, awesome information. All right, you guys. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful week. I will talk to you soon. Peace. I learned to miss my shoes. I could camp out in a park, but I might wake up in the dark. But those what the hell?